You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. where the Lord told him to go, a place whereby the brook trith. When he arrived at the brook, God provided all his needs. He was obedient and God provided for him. Do you see a pattern here, folks? Elijah was obedient to what the Lord had told him to do through his word. And then what did God do? Provide it for Elijah. There's a pattern here that we need to think about. The nation of Israel was dark and evil. King Ahab had led them away from God, and God stopped blessing them. Elijah, on the other hand, was faithful and obedient to God. And as Pastor Dave teaches today, God blessed his obedience. He provided everything that Elijah needed. Follow and obey God, and he'll bless you for that. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, as he begins his message, where God guides, God provides. You are Please turn to 1 Kings 17. We're going to be looking specifically for verses 8 through 24 to finish out the chapter. So um, turn into those chapters and let's look at what we're happening with our buddy Elijah. So let's pray, first of all. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for being here as we praise you. Your word tells us that you inhabit the praises of your people, Lord. And Lord, now as we come into your word, as we are excited about what your word has to say to us, Lord, we ask that you would settle our hearts, Lord, as we go through this time. And Lord, we need to now focus on your word so that we can be energized and we can be strengthened and we can be led in the path that you want us to go, Father God. We know that where you guide, you provide. And Lord, we want to look at that and see your provisions that you've made for the prophet Elijah and how you continue to provide now even for us today. Thousands of years later, Lord, you're still providing for your children. You're still providing a way. You're still providing a way for salvation. You're still providing a way for all our needs to be met through Christ Jesus. So Lord, we thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you, Lord, that we have our confidence in you, that when you guide, you do provide. So, Lord, I ask now that you would bless us as we study your word, as we draw close to you, Father God, for, again, you won't disappoint. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. A man named Elijah came to the northern kingdom of Israel in its darkest hour. King Ahab and his pagan wife Jezebel were determined to wipe out the worship of Jehovah and replace the worship of Jehovah with the worship of the Phoenician fertility god, Baal. Baal was also a weather god, and it was believed that he could bring forth rain and it would lead to a bountiful harvest. However, when worshiping Baal, the rites included very extreme immoral activity to the point of human sacrifice. 
So Ahab continued to yield to the desires of his wife, even building her a temple that she would serve this God of hers. So Elijah enters the picture. He comes boldly into the palace of Ahab, and he confronts him by saying this in verse 1 of chapter 17. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. So the first thing out of Elijah's mouth was to confirm to all the ears that were listening in the king's court that day that Jehovah, Lord God of all, was not dead, as the Lord lives. Why do you think he said that? Ahab and his wife Jezebel were trying to convince the people of Israel that God was dead. It reminds me of that show that was just out out, God's Not Dead. And and those of you that saw that know that that is a common theme these days. It's a common theme these days that God's dead. Where is he? How come he's not around? Well, we know that God is not dead. He's surely alive, as the song go, right? (laughs) So Elijah shouts boldly, as the Lord lives. And then he prophesies. He prophesies in front of the king that there will be no rain. There will be a drought. And a drought would be the worst thing that could happen in a very arid country to begin with. Water was essential for their crops. Water is essential for crops in any land, but especially in a land like Israel that is always arid. There's desert there, and it's a very arid place. No rain meant no crops. No crops meant no food. No food means starvation. So now I want to remind you, That when I say Israel right now, I am talking about the northern kingdom. I'm talking about the ten tribes that Jeroboam took control over. The ten tribes, they became Israel, and the one tribe down here with the other one in the middle was Judah and Benjamin. That's known as the kingdom of Judah. So there's a difference there. So don't think I'm talking about the entire nation. I'm talking about the northern ten tribes. But what I like about this is that the Lord always knows how to get our attention. What's going on here? The people of Israel were following after Baal and not Jehovah. Jehovah was their God. Jehovah was the one that brought them out of Egypt. Jehovah was the one that brought them into a land flowing of milk and honey. Jehovah was the God that supplied all their needs as they walked through the desert. You know the story. Their sandals never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. They had manna from heaven every morning. They had quail when they desired it. There was water. A rock followed them everywhere they went, and there was water. God constantly provided for his children as he guided them through the wilderness. They didn't have to wander near as far as they wandered, but it was unbelief. It was unbelief that kept them in the wilderness for 40 some odd years. God had conquered their enemies. He had brought them into the land flowing of milk and honey. And then he makes an everlasting covenant with them. As long as the people of Israel were unfaithful to the covenant of God, the Lord would not bless them. It was part of the covenant. Remember, it was a conditional covenant. In order to be blessed, they had to follow after him. They had to seek him. They had to obey his commandments. They had to obey his law. See, God always keeps his covenant. 
In other words, God always does his part. Salvation is offered to the entire world because God did his part. God already did his part by Jesus Christ dying on a cross. Salvation has been offered to the world. God kept his bargain. He told Abraham, by your seed, all the world will be blessed. And he was talking about Jesus Christ. God kept his bargain. But he also keeps it when people are disobedient to him. And then he must chastise. He must discipline. Nobody wants to talk about the chastisement of the Lord. Nobody wants to talk about God's discipline. But once Elijah pronounces this prophecy, the Lord says, get out of here. You got to go someplace. Why? Because the Lord needed to protect Elijah. So the Lord began providing for Elijah by protection, moving him out of where he was. It says in chapter 18, when we get there, that Ahab was searching all over the place for him. And Jezebel started killing all the prophets of, of, of Israel. They wanted to get this guy. They wanted to kill him. Ahab blamed Elijah for the drought. It was Elijah's fault that there wasn't any rain. I need to find him, kill him, and Baal will make it rain. Lord said, go and hide yourself. Elijah was faithful. Elijah was a faithful servant of the Lord, and he went where the Lord told him to go. One commentator said this, which is quite interesting, and I love this quote. Quote, by leaving his public ministry there was a second drought in the land. The absence of God's word. Think about it. There was a second drought in the land, the absence of God's word, because God had taken out the prophet. The only one proclaiming the name of the Lord at that time in the northern kingdom, although we find out there were many, many more. But he was the one who was the loudest. God's word was to the Jewish people like rain from heaven. It was essential for their spiritual lives. Likewise, God's word is a lamp unto our feet, a guide unto our path. God's word is like honey on our lips. It's like water to our soul. We sing about it all the time. I cannot imagine life without God's word. I can't imagine going through a day without God's word. In fact, there is no true life without God's word. For his word is life. How can I say that? Peter, where can we go? You have the words of life. God's word is life. God's word is life. So Elijah was obedient to the word of the Lord, and he left Ahab's presence, and he went where the Lord told him to go, a place whereby the brook Cherith. When he arrived at the brook, God provided all his needs. He was obedient, and God provided for him. Do you see a pattern here, folks? Elijah was obedient to what the Lord had told him to do through his word. And then what did God do? Provide it for Elijah. There's a pattern here that we need to think about. He had water to drink from the brook. Ravens of all things, unclean ravens, the symbol of doom and death, came to him every morning and every night carrying bread and meat. Imagine this, ravens. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been at the park 
or better yet, I've been on the boardwalk and had a seagull steal my piece of pizza once. Those ferocious little animals, so these birds didn't even try to eat any of the stuff that they were bringing. They brought it for Elijah because God had them do, do that. Imagine that. Think about that. Wrap your mind around that. Had Elijah not been obedient to God's word, God would not have provided for him the way he did. Had Elijah chosen to go elsewhere, God would have allowed him to go. But he might not have provided the provisions that he needed. There might have been a half blessing, if you will. Right away, I'm thinking, and it always bugged me, about the two and a half tribes that spent their whole life on the other side of the Jordan. Remember the two and a half tribes we studied? Remember when we studied Joshua? Two and a half tribes. I think it was Reuben and Gad and half of Manasseh, I think. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I might be confused on Manasseh. But two and a half tribes decided that they were going to stay on the other side of the Jordan and not enter into the promised land. God let them do that. God blessed them a little. But look at what they missed. Look at what they missed out on by going into the promised land. Do you know what the promised land is a representative? The abundant life. The promised land is the representative of the, the abundant life that Jesus talked about in John 10. I've come that you may have life and life more abundant. It's the promised land. It's God's full abundance. It's God's full promise. It's God's full provisions that Jesus wants us to have, that God wants us to have. Had he chosen to go elsewhere, he would have not have been so blessed. As we come into today's verses, the brook has dried up because there was no rain in the land. All the water is now gone. It says that in verse 7. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Just like Elijah had prophesied, rain stopped. Now we go all the way to James, and James tells us that Elijah prayed in faith in faith for it not to rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. So Elijah knows it wasn't going to rain anymore. So all again now, what happens is the brook is dried up. Elijah doesn't have any more water. We know how essential water is to physical life. Water is extremely essential to physical life. So the Lord says, time to move on. Time to move on. And once again, he tells them to leave and to go somewhere else. So as we begin, let's look at 8 and 9. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarpath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. What's interesting here is that the word Zarpath means refining place. It's a place of refinement. Obviously, the Lord was not finished getting Elijah ready for his ministry. When the Lord calls you in the ministry, he will call you, make his calling clear, and then he prepares you. And sometimes he has to put you on the refiner's fire. And sometimes he has to turn that fire up a little bit to get it to boil a little bit and get it to refine more and more. The Lord wasn't finished molding Elijah. There was still some work to do. It looks as though the Lord was trying to get rid of some of the pride in Elijah's life. Why did Elijah have pride? Hmm, think about it. If you prayed for rain and it didn't rain for three and a half years, you might be puffed up too. You might be all bad in that. Yeah, I did it. I prayed. Yeah. You might be all that. 
He tells Elijah, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. This was extremely humbling for Elijah. Extremely humbling. So the Lord was way ahead of him, making arrangements, and this is what the Lord does. When you follow the Lord by his word, when you are obedient to him and you step out in faith, he continues to provide for you and he's way ahead of you setting things up so as you walk through, you find things already there. You find things that he's already set things up. And that's what he's doing here. He's been providing for him. He's going to provide for him in a different way, but he's going to mold him and refine him for the work yet to come. You know, and sometimes, I don't know about in your life, but here in Elijah's life and in my life, God uses the most unlikeliest people in your life. I mean, the most unlikeliest people in your life to do his bidding. What we need to do is we need to accept God's provisions from whomever it comes from. We need to accept God's provision. That takes humbleness. That means lowering yourself a little bit and accepting God's provisions. And I think this is one of the things the Lord wanted to teach Elijah. He wanted to teach him some humbleness. We don't read where Elijah was a prideful man. We don't read that. We know he was a man of like passions. So he had that in him, as we all do. He was a man of like passions, which means he had the same type of things that we have. we got to give God thanks in all things. By humbling ourselves. So not only does the Lord send him to a widow, but it's a widow in a Gentile nation. So here is this prophet of God having to go to a Gentile widow. And she lived around Sidon, and Sidon just happened to be the home of Jezebel. The queen who wanted to kill him. (laughs) The queen was out to get him. So not only does he have to go to this Gentile woman, but he's got to put his neck on the line by going to a place which is very, very close to Sidon. This is very humbling for him. And it takes great courage on his part. But when God guides, God provides. When God guides, God provides. Provides, And I'll never forget the story. I think I mentioned it at one time when Elizabeth Elliot was leaving to go back and minister to the Indians that killed her husband back in the 50s. Somebody said, aren't you afraid? And she said, when you're being led by the Holy Spirit, there is no fear. When God guides, he provides. And that means providing all of your needs, your protection, everything that you will need. He will provide for that. As long as you're faithful to him, as long as you're looking to him and searching for him and keeping him at the forefront of your walk. Don't get ahead of him. Don't try to get ahead of God. Always walk one or half a step behind him. Let him always lead. My prayer for this church is that we will never get ahead of God. We will always be behind him and allow him to lead through his spirit. Always. Very easy to get ahead of him. Very easy to see something. You know, we want to do that. Let's Let's jump into it without praying and waiting. It's very easy to do that. It's scary. So it took courage on his part going into an unknown area, a place close to the clean queen's hometown, knowing she was hunting him. But he obeyed the Lord. And this is a crucial point I'm trying to make today. Elijah obeyed the Lord and God provided for him. This is a crucial point. This is the, the whole premise of what we're saying here. So look at verse 10. 
So he, Elijah, arose and went to Zerpath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. So he goes, he sees this woman gathering sticks for a fire, he strikes up a conversation with her, and he says, may I have a drink? Does it remind you of Jesus? It reminds me of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. When everybody else went into town to get something, Jesus went up to the well and there was the woman. He said, give me a drink. It reminds me of that. But interesting enough, the lady says, okay, now water's scarce. Water is extremely scarce. But she goes and while she goes, Elijah says, oh yeah, and by the way, give me some bread. Let me have some bread. So look at verse 11. And as she was going to get it, he called her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So he says, thanks for the water, but yeah, give me some more, give me some bread, please. So she's gathering sticks so she can feed herself and her son and then die. That's what she says. She's gathering sticks so she can feed herself and her son and then die. Look at 12. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. She was preparing their last meal. She was preparing their last meal that they would have because it was empty. The vessel was empty. There was nothing else left. Nothing else left. She was preparing their last meal. An interesting fact here, though, is at this point, most of the scholars agree that the lady was not a believer in Jehovah. Even though God had commanded her, look what it says way back up, I have commanded a widow to provide for you. Even though God had commanded her to provide for this man, she was not a believer. There are several times in Scripture where the Lord asks someone else to do his bidding. In Second Chronicles, the Lord is going to give orders to a pagan king, Cyrus, and he complies with the Lord's request and does his bidding. She also uses the phase which makes us believe that she's not a believer, your God. You know, the Jehovah, your God. It's your God. She realized Elijah was a Jew. Jehovah was his God, but not her God. And there's a difference there, not Yet, not yet. So we see this happening here. And the Lord has set all this up. The Lord has set all this up so that Elijah would be provided for, but it's going to even go better than that. Let's look at 13 and 14. It says, And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. Bring it to me, and afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain to the earth. I like that. You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in 1 Kings or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you, and if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand and we'd still love for you to be part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com and don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but we are grateful that you were a part of our listening audience today. Be sure to join us again next time for more from First Kings right here on Assure Hope.